All right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast, episode 319. I am talking to Tim Doris today. He is the CRO over at Stencil. Uh, he's been in the sales and leadership game for quite a bit now. Um, this is actually a crossover. I, I had him on the Pavilion podcast uh, earlier this year, and he got such a great response that I wanted to share this conversation with you all as well. He, uh, he talks a lot about his come up in sales and in leadership. And so if that is the path that you want to go down, Tim would be an excellent resource in this conversation. Should be a good one for you. Before we get into my interview with Tim, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. All right, this episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast is brought to you by the Up and Up community. This is a community that I put together with my friend, Anthony Natoli, who's over at Lattice. It's focused on two things. It's helping salespeople crush their goals, hit quota, do all those great things, as well as it's really focused on mental health, uh, trying to avoid burnout, trying to stay on the path, trying to be more fulfilled through this uh, profession. So it's a Patreon group. Uh, we've got a live community. We've got a live chat and Discord that's 24-7. And we have weekly calls where we're bringing in folks like Justin Welsh, uh, Kevin Dorsey, Devin Reed, et cetera, to come in. We do hour-long sessions every single week, live Q&A. You can ask them whatever you want. Um, and it's amazing. It's only 10 bucks a month. Um, would love for you to check it out and, and give it a go uh, and see if it's something that might be helpful for you. You can check it out either on my LinkedIn page or patreon.com slash the up and up. Hope to see you there. All right. Coming out of New York, New York on the Pavilion podcast, we got Tim Doris, the CRO of Stencil. Tim, good morning. How are you? Hey, Tom. Doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm I'm like sneakily kind of fired up to see that you're in a phone booth right now and like in the office. And, uh, you know, that just gets me excited because I miss the days personally of uh, the sales floor and the, the collaboration and just all of that. Yeah. Uh, the last two years has been tough for me uh, because of that. So that just that that's exciting to see. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really great. Um, you know, we're we're just north of Madison Square Park. If you're familiar with New York, it's a beautiful sunny day. You get a few more steps in um, uh, coming in the office and, you know, right now it's completely optional, but we, we have a lot of people, you know, coming in and, and really enjoying sort of uh, a, a different scenery, a bit more space. Um, and of course, you know, being able to spend some time with colleagues, collaborate together, have a bit of fun. Um, and so, yeah, it's been been really great. That's awesome. Um, I'd love to before we get into what you're doing at Sense, I'll talk a little bit about the earlier days of, of your sales career. So I saw, you, it, at least from um, from LinkedIn, looks like you started at Bronto Software for the first six and a half years. Um, and the first job maybe wasn't exactly sales. It was like lead qualification. So I'd love to just hear <laughs> the story of, of how you got into sales. I don't know if you did anything like in college or before that, but, but I'd love to hear yeah. that story. Yeah, um, in college, uh, my first internship was with an organization called University Directories. And it's a really interesting business model. And I think they're still around in a slightly different form. But what they would do then is um, bid on the rights with all the kind of major universities in the US to uh, publish their college directory, which is like the phone, college phone book, right, essentially. Yeah. And eventually they did other more modern things like a planner and then, then eventually web stuff. But, but, um, when I interned with them, you know, they would, uh, they would publish those, uh, school directories and then they would hire 
hundreds of interns for the summer. And so they would go to all the, the career fairs at the colleges, recruit uh, folks interested in, in trying sales for the summer. And uh, then they would kind of put you in a, a market. Um, and so, you know, you work um, a certain, you know, I was in the Greensboro, North Carolina area. Um, and you're, there's a few different schools that they publish directories for. And then you're kind of going around door to door, business to business, selling advertising space uh, in that directory. Um, and it's a real, it was a really well-oiled machine in terms of um, the recruiting, the training, they would fly everybody in at the beginning of the summer to do like pretty intensive, you know, sales 101 training. Um, and then you would spend the whole summer uh, doing that and you'd report up every every morning and every afternoon about the plan, about your, your sales for that day. And there was a national leaderboard and all that kind of stuff. And that was my first uh, taste of sales. And uh, and I, you know, it was really hard work, obviously, um, to sort of step into that environment um, where you get sort of like, you know, kicked out of stores and stuff like that. But um, yeah. it was a great learning experience. Um, I really enjoyed being in control of my own destiny, right? Um, hey, I've got, I've got my feet, I've got my book, I've got, you know, the day to spend, um, I'm going to make the most of it. And, and I'm going to try to be, you know, the best, uh, you know, sales intern for the summer. Um, and, uh, and did that and came back the next summer as a like manager of uh, some of the interns uh, in a, in a, in a few different markets um, across like North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee. So you're like a college kid, you know, spending the summer driving, you know, around this little region, doing ride-alongs with uh, other interns and reps. And, and that was another great experience. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my first taste in sales uh, before I even graduated college. That's great. I, um, I've told this story before on the pod, but I started in, in Cutco in college as well. And you, you've got to be a, 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 a twisted individual, I feel like, to you know, enjoy. You said, like, I enjoyed you know, going door to door. And I feel like that's probably a very, very small you know, 1% or less of the population that would actually get some sort of joy and pleasure and satisfaction from doing that job versus it being you know, their worst nightmare. Um, was it, was, was that job like something that, you know, was pushed to you? Like you were like, Oh, I, maybe I'd be good at sales or it was just like, Hey, I'm in college. I need a job for the summer. And like, I'll just try this thing. I didn't know if you had any predisposition to like sales or talking to people or anything like that. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think from talking to like upperclassmen and, and other people, um, I sort of narrowed it down to sales and marketing. So I, I feel like I was going around the career fair looking at both of those types of roles. And, yeah. um, you know, this is the one that sort of stood out as, as what would be a, a really good experience. And, you know, but really, I mean, it wasn't a sophisticated decision. It was kind of like you get a few offers and, and you're like, okay, like I'll pick this one and we'll spend the summer. You know, it's only three months. Like it's not a huge, you know, uh, decision at the time, but it really does set the course for, for a lot of other things, either to continue on that track or if you don't like it to, to do something else. And that's the whole point of an internship, right? To sort of yeah. experiment and test and see, you know, is this for me or is this not? Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, and then at Bronto, it looked like, I mean, you, you rose up the ranks, your, your role after that was head of sales. And so that was in like six, seven years, you went from lead qualification associate to head of sales at a startup. And so um, I'd love to just hear, you know, obviously you performed well and you, you hit numbers and things like that, but anything else that you would kind of like 
point to your success of how you were always kind of continuing to get yourself ready for the next role and the next role and, and continue to progress? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was an amazing run um, for the company and for a lot of people involved there. I mean, I really just cherish those uh, those years of, of Bronto, and I'm not alone. If you talk to like Bronto alum, uh, there's a really strong community, even years later, of people who, you know, it's just the time of their, their life, time of their career, really. Um, you know, I, I ended up at Bronto very, um, you know, it was a lot of luck of, of what of how I landed there. So I was initially looking at, um, a different role coming out of college and, uh, there's a kind of a long story, but essentially the, the office I was looking to go into the guy running the office, um, left the company. And so he shut that office down, uh, in North Carolina. And it took a while to like get back in touch with the recruiter and everybody else at that company. They're like, well, we shut the office down. We still have the role, uh, open and the offer still valid, but, it's in New York now. And, um, it was like the same, but at the same pay, uh, as North Carolina. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I really didn't have any, um, uh, interest in moving to New York. It wasn't really where I was trying to go. Um, and then for the same pay, it was just like, Oh, like I'm going to pass on this. And I ended up getting in touch with a guy who I was going to report to. He was like, yeah, I actually you know, took a job at this company called Bronto. Um, and they have similar opening to what I was going to hire you for. You should come check it out. Uh, and so that was that lead qual. Basically, it's an SDR role. Um, yeah. It was under marketing and, and, you know, just the SDR term, you know, didn't exist then um, or, or wasn't very popular, at least. Um, and so, yeah, very like chance, you know, that that sort of sequence, sequence of events happened. But um, I joined. We were about 40. It was employee number 44. Um, we were there in Durham in the American Tobacco Campus, really, really cool, uh, part of town, like, uh, on the verge of, you know, all the downtown restora- restoration of Durham, um, uh, there in, in 2009. And, um, yeah, to be honest, I wasn't the top performing, um, SDR or lead qualification associate. I was like pretty good, but I wasn't at the top. Um, but I really liked the sales part of it. And that's almost what slowed my numbers down. You know, I wanted to get more into discovery versus just passing the meeting off and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'd done sales before. I, I, I had confidence in myself that I could I could do a sales role. At that time, all the salespeople were like enterprise sellers. So they were going after big deals. They had a lot of experience. And um, I didn't see a, a career path, uh, you know, beyond lead qualification associate. And so I started to get a little bit frustrated and, and, and updated my resume and was starting to like look around and um one of the top sales people sort of heard through a company i was applying that um that i was looking around and um he sort of whispered in to the the ear of the vp of sales like hey i think this guy might have something you 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 know we should look at having a role for him and at the time they were thinking about launching their first mid-market role um and uh, so that like kind of whisper in the ear and we didn't really have a process for how to apply into a different department, right? I was reporting into marketing. And so I had to like yeah. apply on our website and it went through like HR and they rejected my resume because I didn't have like the sales experience they were looking for. And just kind of a weird process thinking back to it. But um, anyway, I just went directly to the VP of sales and was like, look, I know we're opening for this role here's what I've done in my like sales internships. Here's what I've done in this role. I, I really think I could, I could come in and, and do well. Um, I, I want to have a shot at it. 
And, um, you know, he listened to me and, and credit to him. He, he said, look, we'll put you through the process of everything else. And if you're the best candidate, we'll move forward. Um, so I had to like sneak around to like interview for this, uh, in, in the same company. Um, and, but I, I did the like pitch, I did the whole thing. And, you know, I had some people that were, you know, really helpful in preparing for that. And, um, uh, anyway, I feel like I did well. And, and I met with, um, Matt Williamson, who's the VP of sales at the time again. Um, and part of what he had said was like, look, my family well-being is on the line for you taking this role. Right. And so, um, I have this vision of like almost putting a picture of my family, my kids on your desk. So you sort of know what's at stake. And it was like a very like powerful thing yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I was like, well, look, let me, let me think about it. I don't want to react too early to that um, statement. That's, that's very real for you. And let me, let me take that into consideration and, and let you know how I feel tomorrow. And uh, I came in the next, the next morning, it's like 8am and he's uh, he's at his desk and I had bought a picture frame uh, just at like a CVS or whatever. And I came in and put the picture frame on his desk and I was like, I'm ready. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he had a smirk and he just looked back and he shook my hand and, um, you know, pretty soon I had an offer for that, uh, mid-market role. But, um, yeah, that was a, that was a big, uh, big step, uh, in my career, just moving from that, um, sort of lead qual role into that first, uh, first commercial E or first mid-market AE role. Man, sometimes you just need, uh, you know, things need to, to align, you know, like th that, that salesperson had to have heard through the grapevine you were leaving. They, they obviously saw something in you and, um, you need people to take, you know, chances on you earlier in yeah. your career, right. So that you can prove them right. Yeah. And, you know, when I look back in, at my career, there's been so many people like that, that for whatever reason, um, just saw something in me or willing to go out of their way to help and, um, you know, certainly it's, you got to have the attitude and mentality of being proactive and having belief in yourself and wanting to learn and absorb that coaching and apply it. Um, but people can sense that people can sense, okay, you want to make something happen. And I think you're going to actually listen to what I have to say and, and apply it. You know, you'll be surprised about how many people will respond to that and invest in you and, and the, the trajectory that that can put you on. Um, yeah, it feels like it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's not, I hate to say this, but it's not incredibly hard to stand out oftentimes, right? If you do the small things well and you're coachable and, you know, you, you take what your leaders are saying and you try to come up with new ideas and uh, new processes and try to build, like, it's, you know, I, I've, at least in my experience, like, you, you get recognized. If you have a decent or good or great leader, you know, they'll recognize if you're uh, you know, willing to, to take on extra responsibility and, and ready to get to the next step. So um, I don't, I think totally. sometimes it's easy for people in, in my age bracket to maybe be more entitled to, Hey, I've been here for a year or six months or three years. Like I'm ready for that next role. But I think it, you have to prove that you're ready for it before it just gets handed to you. Yeah. And I, I think that's, it's not just a generation thing. Um, I think it's, it's, that mentality difference exists across many generations. Um, you know, yeah. some people want to go and, and make something happen and some people, you know, want it all mapped out for them. And, you know, certainly we have to do our part as leaders to have, you know, a career path design so people can see, you know, the vision of, of their role and things like that. But for me personally, the, 
um, the biggest roles that I've taken on and um, the ones that are the most trajectory changing have been the ones that um, weren't outlined on a spreadsheet or a presentation. It's sort of, you see an opportunity and you make a case for it and, you know, you have a track record of delivering and, and, you know, you, you get a, you get a shot and then it's up to you to deliver. Um, I, I love that. I, I want to, um, I want to fast forward a little bit. Something that caught my eye was, uh, your time at, at Converse Social and, and at Zuvu, uh, pretty early into like the conversational, uh, marketing AI, you know, conversational intelligence market, like 2016, 2017, obviously, um, you know, I'm, I'm at Gong. So that, that caught my eye is like, man, you were, you were early in the space. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, one thing that led me to my role at, at Converse Social is, um, you know, at Bronto, I, uh, after a couple of years of being a, a sales rep, I had an opportunity to move to London to be the first feet on the street and set up our uh, first office in the UK and, and really expand into Europe. And I spent three years doing that. And that was really life changing. You know, I met my now wife. Um, we built that business from from nothing to a 20 person team and, and really kind of had a, had a really strong um, foothold in that market. Um, and then that's what led me to, to kind of arrive in New York. And that experience of working internationally, uh, I think really set me up to take that first head of sales job at, at Converse Social. Um, but yeah, in terms of the space, um, we, yeah, like a lot of things have changed since then. You know, Converse Social was really applying this sort of uh, social piece to the customer service use case specifically, and that did okay. Uh, and then, you know, Zuvu, you know, then smart assistant, they've rebranded, um, was really about how do you take these more complex consumer buying experiences and help guide those in an online environment, right? The stuff that you kind of need a salesperson to, to help you in a store, whether that's a, a TV or a laptop or a washing machine or, or something like that, right? How do you kind of bring uh, the human experience of question and answer to arrive at a, a better decision um, to the online experience? And so th- that's kind of what we were accomplishing there. But, you know, two good runs, a lot of learning experience. You know, all my experience at Bronto, I, I knew the product so well that really set me up in my management roles as I grew there. But then stepping into a different industry, you know, a product I wasn't familiar with, in a management role, that was really challenging, right? I just didn't have all the context of, of how I would sell it um, to then kind of pass that new knowledge on to to the reps that I was managing. And um, that was really like a, a big learning moment of, okay, like this is humbling. I got, I got a lot to learn of, of how to like yeah. figure this out uh, without all the, the previous context. And, you know, I see it stencil, um, obviously, you know, you spent about, three years or just short of three years of the VP of sales just got recently at the end of the last year promoted to CRO. So first of all, congrats on that. I think there's probably a lot of folks that are parts of, uh, you know, members of pavilion listening to the podcast that are, you know, VPs of sales or head of sales that, you know, that's their goal. They want to get to the CRO role. So I'd love to hear as much as you're willing to share about, you know, I guess how you, how you, uh, what skills did you have to develop to kind of earn that next level? Like what, what did, what did it take from you? Like, what's the Tim as the CRO that's different than what, you know, got Tim the VP of sales job, you know, all those years ago? Yeah. Um, I think, 
There's a few things. Um, first of all, shout out to Pavilion. I did the CRO school um, as a VP of sales, and that opened my eyes to to a bunch of things. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot of you know better, more structured ways to approach a revenue model in the planning uh, piece as a VP of sales and, and working collaboratively collaboratively with you know my CEO, our VP of finance, our, our VP of marketing, and, and my peers there. Another big learning from, you know, I think this was talked about in CRO school um, that that I I think Sam says and, and I wrote down and I've, I've really tried to live by it is um, as you move up in the ranks of leadership, it's your team is less your direct reports in your department. Your team becomes your set of peers. So your, your marketing counterpart, your finance counterpart, all of those folks. And the more that you can lean into working collaboratively on like building the company with that group, like that change in mentality is a huge, is a, is a big leap to make, but it's a really impactful one. And so I think that's one of my, my biggest takeaways over the last couple of years is learning that and applying it. And, and that's part of what, what set me up here. Um, and the more that you can kind of think about the, the broader business impact and less about your department, you're going to have solutions that exist outside of sales um, and how that impacts the CS side of the house, how, you know, marketing and sales should be working together, how we feed back to product. Um, and I think just stepping in to have a, a bigger voice into the broader strategy and, and other decisions that are cross-departmental um, certainly help to, to provide that experience and show that you're thinking beyond, beyond sales. Um, I think the other thing is, um, finding opportunities of things that don't exist and going and building it, right? Like I, I, I came in running just the direct sales team. It was small at the time, but we built that up and we had a need for revenue operations. We had a, we had a need and saw an opportunity for partnerships and we further built out our solutions team and bring in enablement, right? And so having those things under me as VP of sales kind of shows beyond quota carrying AEs, uh, the ability to manage these other functions and make it all work in harmony together to drive the business outcome. Uh, those are certainly important too. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. The mindset shift because, you know, running a, a sales org and kind of creating that predictable revenue model is probably something that at this point you can do, you know, you know, that like the back of your hand, you've done it at multiple orgs, but then once your, your responsibility, or your team is, you know, the CMO, or, you know, the chief customer officer or the head of product or whomever those people are. Um, any, any tips for folks that maybe those seem like they could, you know, people have different goals sometimes, right? And, and there's yeah. different, you know, difficult conversations that you might need to have where there's difference in opinion. Um, if folks are in a situation like that, do you have any, any tips for how to collaboratively handle those solutions to, to keep moving the company forward? Um. I don't have a silver bullet. You know, I, I think um, I, um, one, you just have to take the step to spend the time with people to understand how they operate, how they prioritize, what their goals are. Um, and if there's misalignment in goals, you know, those are things that need to be brought up. Right. Yep. Um, you're never going to have kind of perfect harmony of everybody's has the same target and, and whatever. You kind of need to break it out into different parts of the funnel or, or different parts of the business. But 
I think identifying opportunities to understand one another and bring alignment uh, between those teams uh, is a big part of, of how you move forward, right? If you're, if you're just trying to spend one-on-one time every week, but there's, there's a gap in alignment, um, you're not going to get very far. You got to spend the time to address that uh, if you've identified it. Um, you know, beyond that, it's just like anything else, building a relationship, building rapport, um, you know, wanting to, without an agenda, work with somebody to accomplish a common goal, right? I mean, that's, that's mm. in the end, what it comes down to with, with how you would work with a, a different organization, whether it's product or marketing or something else. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, Tim, I want to read something for you real quick. Um, this is a post of yours a couple weeks ago on a Thursday. Said tomorrow I've got a massage booked and a long overdue lunch with a friend. That's it. At Stencil, we've had one Friday a month off for mental health break starting last summer, and it's been amazing, uh, especially for someone with with young kids. And you go on a little bit further, and that post blew up, and um, I think was one of the reasons maybe we connected because I I came across it. Um, I'd love to hear more about the one Friday off per month and the focus on mental health that, you know, stencil takes, you know, for, for the company. I found, I think that's super interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we identified, um, uh, I think it was like spring of last year, spring of 2021. Um, just, you know, it's nothing new, but like people feeling burnt, burnt out or, or, you know, uh, we're, we're growing fast, we're hiring, but there's just still seeming like more stuff, uh, especially on top of like key people's shoulders, right? Um, and so we decided to experiment last summer with um, once a month, the Friday off for the entire company, because as much as you can encourage people to take vacation and take their time off, and we certainly do that as well, um, it, it's a, it makes a difference when the entire company is off. Because then you don't have like the meetings that you're missing or the inbox flooding or a bunch of slacks uh, waiting for you that really tempt you if you're like on, on you know, vacation or whatever to tap into that. And so that's been really powerful. It's been really well received. So we piloted it in the summer of last year and then we decided to, hey, this is really successful. We're getting positive response. We don't you know, feel like we're losing productivity. Uh, let's keep it going. And so we've been doing it since then. And, um, you know, I, I think... Um, the, the culture here is really uh, about listening to people even beyond like what we're hearing directly, trying to understand where people are and how can we make Stencil a really rewarding place for people to work and build their careers. Um, and so there's a lot of ways that we approach that, whether it's thinking about, about mental health and giving that time off, um, whether it's about, you know, the career paths and, and really prioritizing promoting from within and you know, wanting people to have what I had at Bronto, you know, that six and a half year journey where you really get to stamp uh, your career and, and set you up for the next the next trajectory. Um, and a bunch of other things that we, we prioritize, right? Um, you know, we just had yesterday in, in an internal session, um, you know, two of our folks who have um, family ties and were born um, uh, and, and families in Ukraine. And they spent a session with the company. Um, you know, it was optional, uh, but uh, a lot of people joined. And they just kind of gave the history of uh, the country Ukraine and 
um, and sort of a step back and provided a lot of context uh, for what's going on there and, and directly from people who have, you know, lived part of that um, and are a part of the the stencil, uh, you know, uh, culture. And I think it was, it was really special to me to see, while it's very cool that they have the platform to do that, and it wasn't like architected um, and sort of a, a forced thing, uh, and they had the willingness to kind of speak up and, and really educate folks about what's going on. Um, and, you know, that's a hard thing to like put on a, a job description when you're, you're trying to talk about the culture, but you know, that's just an example of, of how we operate. And um, it was really cool to see those two uh, women kind of um, present on that yesterday. And, and I walked away with certainly some, some learnings and, and more awareness and, and different perspective than I had before. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and maybe before we get to, the uh, rapid fires, maybe you could just, for folks that aren't super familiar with Stencil, you could just give us the quick kind of rundown of, of what you folks do and, and how you serve your customers. Yeah, we are the platform for collaborative email creation. So if you uh, go and ask your uh, marketing team, your marketing operations team about, hey, what does it look like when you go to create um, just what seems like a simple email asset to send out through Marketo or Eloqua or Iterable or whatever uh, market animation platform you're using, um, it's a very manual, time-intensive process that involves a lot of hands, often a lot of HTML code and CSS and QA process. So we um, you know, simplify, streamline that process and provide an environment where people can collaborate versus using a bunch of disparate tools like Photoshop and Dreamweaver and a lot of manual back and forth to get the thing done. Um, so great companies like from Mural to Okta to Capital One. So high growth tech companies to Fortune Fortune 500 companies are, are leveraging us to get their time back so they can uh, focus on higher value work and, and the ultimate outcomes that they're responsible for and looking to achieve. Awesome. Um, all right, Tim, I'm going to hit you with a couple rapid fires uh, to let people know a little bit more about you when you're ready. You want to take a deep breath? You want to have a sip of coffee? A, good. Take a sip of coffee, yep. Okay. Um, all right, first up, we're big learners uh, at Pavilion and, and for this podcast. So uh, I'd love to know if you are a reader, if there's any books that have stood out that have, have impacted you as a, as a person, as a leader, um, any topic is fair game, um, or anything that stands out to you. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is the mm. number one book I recommend to folks seeking a book recommendation. Mm. Seek to understand before being understood. Is that isn't that from there, Stephen Covey? Um, or no? Am I am I miss? Did I just embarrass myself on the podcast by misquoting? I think I might have. I, yeah, there, I think they're of a similar era, but I, I okay. I, uh, Seven Habits is um, it is Stephen Covey. That might you might be right. You might be right. It might be a different. It might be from a different book though. We'll cut Let's that go out. With it. Let's go with it. You got it. <laughs> um, all right. I'm not sure uh, how else you like to learn. I'm not sure if you're a podcast listener. Uh, you follow folks on LinkedIn or YouTube or newsletters or blogs or anything like that. But any other form of learning that you um, that you get into that uh, has, has helped you out recently? You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of um, um, Jason Lemkin. You know, I, I think mm -hmm. his like bite size uh, takeaways of, of how to build a business and how to look around corners um, and some of the data that he shares about, you know, looking at companies at certain stages, especially at, you know, IPO, 
I find that stuff super interesting and helpful and um, yeah, really, you know, really into a lot of the stuff that he puts out there. Do you tend to follow what he says on LinkedIn or Twitter or his actual blog? I'm just curious. Not a big Twitter guy. So yeah, I'll, I'll look at him on LinkedIn, uh, watch a fair amount of YouTube um, videos. Like I'm an audio visual learner. So I also like to see the, uh, the sort of video uh, uh, segments that he does too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the goat of the SaaS world. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, Tim, what, what goes on in the headphones music wise, uh, Spotify or Apple music? Like, what are you, what are you listening to? It's going to be, uh, if you look at my on repeats, it's everything from chief Keef to Encanto to, uh, like throwback to stuff I listened to in high school, like taking back Sunday. I'm all over the place, Man. <laughs> but Encanto, I got it. I have two girls. I've got a five-year-old and an almost two. So in the entire Encanto soundtrack plays in our house every single day, every single day. The the Chief Keith to Encanto to Taking Back Sunday is a wide. It's a wide variance. <laughs> it's yeah. It's uh, bizarre, for sure. <laughs> um, obviously, one thing that Pavilion focuses on is uh, is community and, and networking. Uh, would love to hear your number one professional networking tip. Networking tip. Um, this this isn't going to be a short answer, but um, you know I'm a big believer, and you know I, I work with a, a professional coach, like a leadership executive coach, and a big part of what I've been working on there is just about creating a vision and visioning, and really sort of putting out on paper and into the world like what you're what's important to you and what you're searching for. And I think being very, um, you, you know, put it, understanding what you're looking to get out of things, they will start to pop up, right? Um, you know, I, I remember I was like, oh, I kind of want to like, angel investing would be cool to dabble in. And um, it was one of my first revenue collective, um, you know, obviously now pavilion dinners. And I sat, sat next to... Um, uh, max from outreach and then you know we got connected we had a good chat and then later um you know probably a year later i see he's starting gtm fund and i'm and i was like that's that's exactly what i want to be a part of that's how i envision like doing angel investing that's really cool so i got in touch with him joined gtm fund uh for the for the very start of it um you know january last year and yeah i don't know just like my lesson there is be intentional about you know, what's important to you and, and what are you interested in and start to look for those opportunities and they will present themselves and then you just got to act on them. That's such great advice. There's really something powerful about saying, you know, speaking it out, like what, what it is that you want. If it's a new job, if it's you're hiring, you, in this case, you want to get into angel investing. If you didn't actually say that, you know, would Max have hit you up proactively? Maybe, maybe not. Um, it's probably more likely that he, he wouldn't have, cause he wouldn't have known that that's something that you're interested in. I, so I think that is stellar advice for people of wherever they are in their careers or whatever they're interested in. Yeah. It applies to all parts of life. You know, I have a, I have goals for, you know, this, this quarter that aren't related to revenue. It's, you know, I want to do unique activities with my girls that just like, aren't the day to day week to week. And how do I create unique memories? Right. And, then you kind of keep track of it, right? You go sledding, you go bowling, you try new things. And, you know, I've got a goal yeah. for six, six for Q1. And I've already, I've already hit that. I'm on pace to exceed in Q1. Right. 
isn't it funny how us the salespeople and sales leaders like tend to map out like our personal uh our personal goes like yeah i'm on I, I hit my quota you know i'm on i'm on track to hit or exceed it's just funny the verbiage that we use uh i, I do the same thing you know you you operate a certain way and it doesn't yeah. you know start or stop only with work and so if you can take the things that work for you in your career and apply them to your personal life because a lot of people myself included get so focused on the career and then you 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 forget to be intentional and have goals to sort of build that future and that vision in your personal life that you do for your career. And so that's a big thing I'm working on um, really over the past couple of years and, and continue to work on is how do I bring that same, you know, tenacity and approach and passion and proactiveness and uh, setting goals and hitting them into, into my personal life. Um, Cause that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's the most important thing, right? And and often it gets, uh, you just kind of, you know, float on a little bit or it gets kind of pushed to the back burner, but it actually should be front and center. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, all right, Tim, who is one person in your network that you'd like to see come on to this podcast next? Hmm. You know, I had to hit you with that referral. You know, um, someone who I'm spending more time with uh, here at Stencil, who I think is um, just an absolute rock star, is not in a GTM function. Natalie Rast, she's uh, she leads our people ops function, mm-hmm. but so much of of people like we work really well together and really see these things as intertwined versus separate departments. And I think that could be a unique perspective, right? Not just um, sales or marketing or CS, but you know, how does people ops kind of fit into all this? I think Natalie be a, a fantastic person to have on. Awesome. Um, Tim, before I let you go, I know that uh, you folks at, at Stencil are, are hiring, you know, a boatload of people and, and some really key executive hires that you're looking to make uh, in the next yeah. few weeks or, or months. So I'd love for you to just elaborate on that and then also let folks know if they want to reach out to you, if they want to connect with you, where's the best place to do that? Yeah. Um, some really exciting roles that are that are open. Uh, VP of customer success role is open. Um, so this would be overseeing our entire post-sale function. So uh, support services, the CSM team. Uh, we've got a VP of sales role open. So this would be overseeing our, our direct sales team. So both our commercial and enterprise functions. Um, head of partnerships isn't live yet. By the time this is released, uh, that'll, that'll be uh, open and live. Um, a leader for SDR, um, so sales development leader uh, as well. And then of course, AEs, both commercial enterprise, CSMs, um, SDRs, we're, we're always hiring for those as well. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Tim Doris, two R's, um, is, a, is a good good place to connect with me, send me a message. Um, and uh, yeah, if you know somebody, an A player, you know, that's a, we have an awesome com- group of people uh, and then awesome people attract other amazing talent and it just builds on itself. And that's, that's something we're really proud of here at Stencil. And, um, you know, I think the difference maker of companies that really make it and, and uh, you know, have a big impact uh, versus companies that just sort of fizzle out. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, I appreciate you coming on. Um, everyone definitely go check out the roles, check out Tim on, on LinkedIn, shoot him a connection request. Um, And Tim, thanks for coming on, man. This was great. Tom, thank you. Really enjoyed it. Appreciate it.
All right, this episode of the Millennial Sales Podcast is brought to you by the Up and Up community. This is a community that I put together with my friend, Anthony Natoli, who's over at Lattice. Uh, it's focused on two things. It's helping salespeople crush their goals, hit quota, do all those great things, as well as it's really focused on mental health, uh, trying to avoid burnout, trying to stay on the path, trying to be more fulfilled through this uh, profession. So it's a Patreon group. Uh, we've got a live community. We've got a live chat in Discord that's 24-7. And we have weekly calls where we're bringing in folks like Justin Welsh, uh, Kevin Dorsey, Devin Reed, et cetera, to come in. We do hour-long sessions every single week, live Q&A. You can ask them whatever you want. Um, and it's amazing. It's only 10 bucks a month. Um, would love for you to check it out and, and give it a go uh, and see if it's something that might be helpful for you. You can check it out either on my LinkedIn page or patreon.com slash the up and up. Hope to see you there.